Thanks for listening to the Not A Diving podcast. For bonus episodes, early access, ad-free listening, and access to our private Discord server, sign up at patreon.com slash scuba official. Scuba. Welcome to the show. I'm Scuba. This is the Not A Diving Podcast. Yeah, welcome to episode 104 of the pod, 104 episodes down. You may have noticed that last week we launched a new policy on the Hot Flush Bandcamp page. We are offering almost all of our merch at a name your price price point, which is to say not any money necessarily unless you want to pay money for it this is something i've wanted to do really since we did the double header bandcamp episode i was really intrigued by what i learned in the course of researching that podcast it was really striking to me that most fans most music fans who use bandcamp pay more habitually for their purchases on there but not dance fans And I want to know why that is. And so we're basically running this as a bit of an experiment to see if we can drill down a bit deeper into the behavior of dance fans. But let me tell you, when we did our pledge drive last year, the Patreon pledge drive, it became clear to me, and this is something I've suspected for a while, but it really became clear to me during that pledge drive that British dance fans are pretty tight, I'm afraid to say. They really are. And a week into this Bandcamp pay what you want merch policy, that has been confirmed to me even more. So if you're a Brit, sorry, of course I'm a Brit too. So, you know, you're my people. But come on, guys, especially when there is a note on each item saying what the cost price is to the label. I mean, if you're going below that, then it's a bit of a piss take, isn't it, really? Isn't it? I think it is. Even if it's not necessarily mandated to go above the 50p price that Bandcamp sets as the floor, it's a bit of a piss take to go below that cost price. But anyway, we're going to soldier on with this. I'm going to keep plugging it and we'll see if we can change people's behaviours a little bit. But like I said, that is almost, I mean, not entirely confined to British people, but British people are disproportionately likely to pay the bare minimum. Hmm. Where did we go wrong in society? that we landed at this place. Anyway, like I said, something that we're going to be doing. So yeah, head over to hotflush.bankhand.com and (laughs) pay a fair price for our merch. Okay, today on the podcast, we are welcoming back Danny Days. Danny appeared on episode 32 of the pod, which is like 18 months ago now, basically. So a lot has happened since then. And he has been very busy. He's released an album called Blue and an associated audiovisual show, which is really interesting. And the whole thing is really interesting, actually. It's a great album. And the audiovisual show occurred in a planetarium or occurs in a planetarium when it... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Danny. Hey, Scuba. Hey, Danny. Hey, Danny. Hey, Danny. Hey, Danny. Hey, Danny. Hey, Danny. Hey, Danny.
today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Gets put on. But yeah, it's a really inspiring project, I think. It's a really highly ambitious piece of work and one which he really should be commended for. And I think we need more of this stuff. So yeah, great to talk to him about it. And in addition to that, we also get into, you know, meaty stuff like AI and the return of crypto. Yeah, the return of crypto. It's happening. So yeah, great to have him on the show. Before we get into that, a reminder that you can cut out the ads by subscribing on Patreon, patreon.com slash scuba official. Or if you want to support the show without subscribing, you can just bung us a few quid over on scubaofficial.io slash support via PayPal or a credit card. And actually, we're going to add a crypto tab to that as well. There's been requests for a crypto tab on the support page. Yeah, it really is coming back. If you don't want to do that, if you can't afford it, it's completely fine. Follow the show wherever you listen to this podcast. Hit the follow button, hit the review button, give us a five-star rating and all that good stuff. Join us in the Discord, hotflushrecordings.com slash Discord if you've got anything to say about the show. There's also a Spotify playlist you can follow too. So without further delay, here is Danny Days. Danny Days, welcome to the show. How you doing? Yo, uh, thank you for uh, for having me again. I feel honored. Yeah, it was like eighteen months ago. I just realized, like, it seems really quite recent, but eighteen months is it's kind of not nuts, an man. insignificant amount of time, right? Time is flying, dude. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Yeah. So, um, you've been busy in the uh, in the intervening period. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty wild. I think when we when we talked about, it, I was starting off the whole planetarium show thing and yeah it's been it's been pretty wild since then to be honest well we we definitely didn't discuss it on on the show because um the first i heard of it was when we bumped into each other at dc 10 last summer was that last summer it must it must have been last summer or was it two summers ago i it, that was two summers ago wow was we, it? we talked about it yeah we talked about it briefly um on the last show Oh, did we? Okay. Yeah, right. just briefly. I, I just mentioned. I just mentioned what was going on, and it was uh, okay. Thirty seconds. Right, right, right. Because um, no, I mean you. Made, well, uh, that that evening at DC Ten, you made a big impression on me because uh, you were you were enthusiastic about this project, and I have to say the project when you hear about it in the abstract sounds pretty off the wall, right? <laughs> so you definitely got you got my attention with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, people, I, I've had a lot of people think that I was crazy for even trying 
Um, but <laughs> I mean, that did cross my mind at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's 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 been one of the funnest things I've ever done, to be honest. Um, you know, as as artists, I think we tend to to look for things that excite us and you know, not only entertain people that are around us, but ourselves as well to, to keep moving forward, you know, and, and thankfully this is, this is one of those things. Sure. I mean, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's, so it's pretty, it's, yeah, it's been pretty cool. So, okay. Um, just before we start, uh, talking about the album, because I mean, there's, there's a lot actually in there to discuss. Um, how's your ear doing? I was just reading your, the, the piece you did with, with Sean, Sean Ronaldo, and I didn't realize but you've got a serious ear problem. How is, how is that? Yeah. So, I mean, every, everybody that's out there that's listening, I protect your ears because it's, it's, it can go pretty easy. Um, I have this thing called middle ear myoclonus and basically I have a clicking on my ear every five to seven seconds, basically like if somebody is snapping their fingers and, you know, I'm, I'm taking now medication to relax the muscle that's behind the ear uh, right, right in front of the eustachian tube. And, uh, it's getting better. It's definitely getting better. I'm just taking a lot less gigs now. Right. So, and it's actually, it's, it's definitely worth it. You know, I'm t- instead of doing eight shows or whatever, how many shows I was doing a month, I'm, I'm trying to do half or even two, you know? Yep. Um, and working, working on music and making sure that I'm just not blowing my eardrums the entire night inside the studio and with the booth uh djing and stuff like that so yeah yeah but it's uh, it's definitely getting better thankfully okay well that's that's good to hear yeah because i mean i've been i've been really bad with my i've been really um i think blase about it over the years and you know touch wood it's kind of okay so far but i guess it's one of those things you just think it's fine until it's not right that's the kind of danger that's exactly what happened to me on on halloween uh this past halloween i was just playing in a system that was insane the 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 booth was really good and the lows were really good so i was playing just really bass heavy music and i just blasted man i just blasted i brought the treble down on the on the mixer because it's it's one it's the v10 so you can adjust the booth mm. and uh dude i was just blasting the bass and i i guess the pressure of the bass uh messed up the timpani and the muscle right behind the, the the muscle that's in the ear is actually the smallest muscle in the entire body right and it's and it's and it and it basically just closes your timpani for so you don't go deaf when you're listening to really loud transient sounds and that little guy got messed up. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's weird trying to fall asleep with somebody snapping their fingers every five to like you know ten seconds. It's brutal, man. Brutal. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I hope it continues to improve, man. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. So, okay, the album is called Blue, and it's not just an album, though, of course, because you mentioned the planetarium, the the show aspect to it too. But let's just talk about the like the album itself to start with it's 90 minutes long or thereabouts yeah it's a good hour and a half and um it's it's not what you're supposed to release <laughs> it's not how you're supposed to release music these days yeah yeah i i well i guess that's the consensus nowadays as to what you're supposed to release and right i'm uh i'm not a hundred percent sure why it is that i felt like I wanted to send this message, um, especially with my first album when typically I'm kind of known maybe more as a dance DJ and a, a dance producer. But uh, this this way that I used to listen to music, whether it was, you know, the, that Ronnie Sizen represent album, New Forms or uh, 
Mm. I talk about even like Tipper did an album called Surround or Surrounded. I forgot which one. Oh, right. Yeah. Or, okay. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Phoenicia did one called Brownout, which, you know, I, I tend to, I, I, I go back and I listen to these albums consistently, especially that, that represent, you know, the Ronnie size and represent one. That's, that's an absolute masterpiece. And, um, yeah, I think it's just important to maybe just send a message even just to the, to the younger generation that, you know, we do need to kind of have some long form things. We need to, we need to pay attention to long form things because that's essentially, you know, where, where we grow our patience and we grow what it is that we actually like rather than living in these 15 second increments that we're all kind of accustomed to. You know? Yeah, totally. So, okay. Tell me about stylistically. Uh, obviously, you mentioned you're a, you know, you're a dance DJ, <clears throat> ostensibly. Yeah. I mean, this is not a dance album by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it's obviously, it is very much an electronic album. And it's, you know, I was I listened to it all the way through this morning, having done so when it came out and then having sort of dipped, dipped in and out of it. But yeah, went through the whole thing this morning. And it's, you know, it's a very... I mean, it's it's kind of in the lineage of, I guess, sort of artificial intelligence era warp records and that kind of. I mean, I don't want to use the term IDM, but you know, <laughs> that that's that that's kind of like hovering in the background. But I mean, it's absolutely the kind of stuff, the kind of style that really was the first electronic music that I really got into in a kind of in a big way. Anyway, so absolutely, it makes so much sense to me just listening to it. But yeah, tell me about the yeah the, the stylistic influences and how you you know went about doing it and you know, the yeah, I guess yeah, I guess, I guess we can call it IDM, um, but I, I I just wanted. I mean, let, let, let's not let's not call yeah, it IDM. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, it just comes from this Miami bass sound, this mixture of. A couple record labels that were from Miami, which is Schematic Records. There's another one called Merck. Um, don't confuse it with Merck, the house guys. Merck, uh, Merck M3RCK, which is a record label from out here. And another one called Beta Bodega, which I was massively influenced by uh, back when I used to dance. So I used to break dance and pop lock, but I would dance to this more experimental music that was ve- very bass heavy. It was It was driven by just a lot of experimentation and I, you know, I felt like I had to bring myself back to that world and mostly because it was going to just entertain me, to be honest, and entertain a lot of my friends that might be a little self-indulgent, but it's, I just wanted to do something that I can look back and say, damn, that was pretty cool working on that and Mm. having fun while I was producing these records that weren't so based off of a grid that I'm used to, you know, knowing that this, this can, cause you know, us as like dance producers, we can somewhat build a song in our head and know if it's going to work, mm-hmm. you know, simple tricks of the trade that we know, okay, you know, big old sweep with a drop going into low baseline. Cool. This, this might work on a dance floor, but my intention here was not to do that at all. My intention was mostly to present something to people that was long form where they sat down in my studio and listened to it in full Dolby Atmos. Mm. So I went out and bought a, uh, a full Dolby Atmos system, mixed it down. And everybody that has sat down here, I blindfold them and just go from there. And a lot of people that I know have never really sat down and listened to an album. A lot of people, they don't do that anymore. 
So it's been a pretty cool project, not only on the music side of things, but being able to just see how people react to it. And, and especially the younger generation where they walk out of my room or, you know, they'll, they'll, they, they've stopped me in, in this, these past DJ sets and they're like, yo, we've never really done anything like that. So it's, uh, it's been a really, really cool experience. Um, I gotta say it's, it's opened up a new door for me, both musically and visually, uh, with the planetarium show that it's, it's kind of taken me in a different direction now as an artist, which is what I think keeps us moving forward as artists. So I'm, I'm really thankful that, that this has come out the way that it has and, and, you know, that everybody has been receptive to it. Uh, all the collaborators, it's, it's, it's extremely meaningful to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So did you, um, did you do the initial mixes in Dolby Atmos? No, no. And then do stereo ones? No, no, stereo, you... stereo first. Yeah. Stereo first. And then I went out and bought the new version of Logic, which has a native uh, object panner um, Dolby object panner inside. So I learned how to use that and yeah. Right. Can you, okay. Can you, can I ask you to break that down a little bit? Cause I mean, this is, this is something that I've, I haven't tried, I haven't even dipped my toe in the water with this stuff and I'm sure lots of people listening probably haven't either. So could you give a kind of like, you know, a potted explanation about how one goes about <laughs> mixing in Dolby? At, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, thankfully now, uh, Logic has a built in panner, which is a say let's just call it a 360 panner and you can basically move everything around and you can move it from a 90 degree angle 90 degree would be your perfect stereo you can go 180 degrees or you can go to zero if you put it a zero that means you just made that stereo file into a mono file and you can move that all around or you can actually put it to 180 degrees and now you have this extremely wide angle so now you know all these stems that i had you know, they were, they were, they were quite limited when you're working with a stereo field. If now I can get these snares and I can pan them say to 160 degrees and put, you know, uh, some voices, some little voices that you had behind you or on top of you, you have a lot more room to work with. And people have always, you know, when it came to surround sound, people were always kind of they were judging the fact that it was quite hard to get and, you know, not many home studios had it and, you know, not many people in general uh, really had stereo or, or surround sound. Yeah. But what's happening now is that they're building sound bars that calibrate to your room and where you're sitting. So now you can have Dolby Atmos with within two years, I think most sound bars are going to come out are going to be Dolby Atmos compatible. So I'm, I, I just felt like doing this not only for myself and like for the people that were coming into my studio and stuff like that, but to future proof it down the road and, and also just get into a new form of technology. I've always been really into just kind of jumping a little ahead of the curve, even though, you know, it, it might, it may not be, it may, it may not be known at the moment, but down the road, you're already, you know, ahead of the curve. And I, I genuinely think that that's where we're going to end up. Um, the mixing down process really isn't that hard. It's, it's, it really isn't. It's more about taste, you know, rather than flinging things all around your head. You know, I like to, I like to just place things in certain areas where, you know, you, you have height adjustment, uh, adjustment, you have front and back. So yeah, it's more about taste really. Um, okay. And then from a technical level, like what's the monitoring setup required to be able to mix properly like that? In well, the studio? you can actually do this on your headphones. That's the cool part. 
Yeah, uh, I should. I mean, I should be getting paid for by Dolby right now or Logic at least. Uh, but you can actually do this on headphones. Um, I have a seven one four system, so I have seven speakers around me. Uh, my surrounds. I have four in the ceiling, hanging off the ceiling, and I have one sub. But the the cool part is you can have a nine one six, or you can expand it to whatever you want. That's that's what I really like about Dolby is that basically it's like a a, a vector file. I don't know how to explain it like that, like a vector file for audio. So yeah, okay, that yeah, that makes sense. You know, yeah. and it just expands and it you know it it calibrates to whatever your system is. So it's it, yeah, it's it's you can have as many as you want. I believe the Sphere in Las Vegas has it, and that's thousands upon thousands of speakers. So it's been pretty cool getting to know the system. I'm actually working pretty close with a couple of the the developers at Dolby um I code myself so it's we've been able to kind of speak the same language and a couple of things that they're doing in the back end um I'm going to be doing uh what are they called I'm going to be doing a few shows actually in Los Angeles and New York where we're going to be presenting inside their Dolby studios you know have they have like a, a full theater out there so you know this is just taking whatever the artistry is into a more immersive world um, for the fans, you know, like being able to do an 88 person seating Dolby Atmos uh, feature of an album is, is a new form of, you know, having interactions with people that like the music that that's coming out on my label and, and music that I make, you know? So yeah, it's about, it's just about moving things forward, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's fascinating. It really is. Because, um, you know, I guess in the context of making, you know, club music, which has its limitations stylistically, as you as you mentioned, but also, you know, if you're making music to be to be heard in a club, then you, know, you need to be thinking about the limitations which are going to be imposed by club sound systems. And I mean, you know, some people, some people have the assumption actually that that most club systems are in are in mono, which obviously they're not. But they're certainly not in Dolby Atmos kind of definitely formats. not. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. And that's kind of, I guess, what's um, I guess that's what's discouraged me from up till now, really kind of experimenting with it. Because I mean, on a personal level, basically all the music that I've made in the past couple of years has been squarely for, well, <laughs> intentionally anyway, to, to be played in clubs. But I mean, this is, I mean, I absolutely hear you, and I think for this kind of project, then it absolutely makes sense. That's where you're going to add the most value, I suppose, if that's the right way of putting yeah. it. Yeah, you know I mean. I mean I guess I guess when it comes to the value that's added to this it's honestly it's mostly about me trying to continue to surprise myself in order to feel motivated to keep moving forward that that's the reason that I felt you know that that I wanted to do this and even if it doesn't hit right even if it's not like a, this massive thing that everybody is talking about and you're get who cares man it's more it's like this is a, this is the one thing that I know my peers and people around me that I've worked with on a on like on a collaboration tip, they see the amount of work and effort that's been put into not only the album, the Dolby Atmos mix, the Planetarium shows. It, it's it's like it just kind of makes us all keep going forward and being like, dude, let's do something cool, whatever it is. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, if people like it or not. Uh, that's all subjective, right? It's for me. It's it's literally just about. Uh, kind of, yeah, trying to push my own boundaries. Maybe it's not the most groundbreaking thing. Maybe it is, who knows? 
But it's, yeah, again, it's about just wanting to, to move forward because to be honest, I've been pretty bored with a lot of the music that's come out. Everything kind of seems to be a rehash of stuff. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it was just me trying to, even, even if it is kind of calling back the old IDM world, the old Warp Records world, old schematic world, it's, uh, yeah, my, my little form of trying to push it and move it forward. Sure. I mean, it's doing it in a fresh way. And particularly when you talk about this kind of, these kind of technical things, which, you know, you couldn't do, you know, in the nineties or whenever this stuff was, when the music itself was genuinely cutting edge, you couldn't do it in this kind of a way. So yeah, I think it's absolutely legitimate. And, and to be honest, mate, I think it's really inspiring seeing anyone this committed to actually doing stuff, which is genuinely fresh and new. Like for me on a personal level, I genuinely... Yeah, I think this is, it's, we need more of this shit, basically. Oh, I, I mean, I, I really appreciate it, man. Like this, it's it's pretty much why I made it. It Like it is for, for people that enjoy the artistic side of uh, kind of being, you know, on, I guess if you want to call it on, on the front line of stuff, you know, when you first hear somebody doing something and then... Mm. Uh, you know, it might it might not go exactly the way it was, but you'll go back and you're like, damn, at least they tried. That's really all that I that I wanted to do. But it's it's gotten to a point where with this Dolby Atmos stuff, I've actually gotten the uh, Ronnie Size album. I removed all the stems with AI and I've actually mixed it down in Dolby myself. Oh, no way. Really? Wow. Yeah. For my own <laughs> listening pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And it's, it's, I've, I've done it to three of the tracks and I'm like, damn, man, <laughs> this is cool, dude. Like being able to, <laughs> being able to hear what's her, what's her name? Bahama, Bahama Meaty. Uh, is that her name? Uh, I, I forgot her name, but being able to hear her vocals behind me and moving, I'm like, wow, man, this is incredible. So thankfully AI has gotten to the point where it's, it's really freaking good now. And uh, yeah, I was able to strip the stems and, and kind of move things around. And I was, I was, yeah, man, that was, that was really fun. Awesome. What, what did you use to separate the stems? Which, which program was it? I'm using Stemverter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Stem, Stemverter is really, 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 really good. There's, there's not too many artifacts in the, uh, in the acapella. It removed, God, it's, it's incredible, man. Like I, I, I have no idea how AI is doing this and <laughs> right. we can definitely yeah. go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, anyway, let's talk about the planetarium thing, though, because I wanted to, um, yeah, dig into that because, I mean, I was, obviously I haven't, unfortunately, been able to see the show myself, but I was watching the videos from it. And there's a there's a video, a very short kind of taste that you did on, that you got up on YouTube, but it looks incredible. But tell me about how you put it together. Like, who did you work with on that? Yeah, so it, it started off uh, just an idea. I hit up my buddy, uh, Kung Son Pax, uh, Tom, and he said, yeah, man, I'm totally down to work, but this, this might be a little over my, uh, mm. my pay. So he, he introduced me to Connor McDonald and Joseph Nixon, who are two absolute geniuses from Glasgow. And I basically flew them out. They stayed here for quite a while. And I, during the, during the making of the album and stuff, I would, re I would sit back and meditate and draw what I saw, right. you know, with the, these loops that I would just have, I would sit down, meditate, draw exactly what I had. And when these guys came over, they basically put as much as they could on, onto this dome. And I, I can, I can say they basically got it to about 70% of what I had, uh, you know, those extra 30% were, you know, me obviously giving 
creative space so they can work as well and bring and bring their uh, what they what they felt it also looked like. But it, it was basically this really nice collaboration between uh, between all of us. And I'm pretty sure those dudes hate me now because of the amount of back and forth that we had, man. It was it was insane the amount of back and forth that we had. But when it when it came down to it, you know, it's working inside a planetarium is something that not many artists get to do. So I believe they they were down for that reason as well. And it's opened up a lot of doors. It's opened up some new doors with other planetariums and I think opened up new doors for me where I'm learning touch designer now just to try and see if I can do this on my own. I wouldn't want to because a, a person like Joseph Nixon, who is an absolute master with 3D, is is years and years and years and years of experience. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically how it happened. So was the the idea of doing it in that context, in that you know, that format or whatever, was that something that just came to you? Yeah. 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 I, I, I've never been a, I've never been a really like a a big fan of seeing an artist perform their live show in front of a beautiful screen. Right. Right. Or uh, where you're kind of blocking stuff, or even if you stand in front of it, um, that's cool. But essentially what I wanted to do is to get people inside my head as I was meditating and the best way to do that is to put a person is to put a helmet essentially on your head and, you know, have your peripheral fully engulfed in all the, all these visuals as well. So when you're, when you're sitting down and your visuals are fully engulfed and you, and you just see these things, these 3d images pop out, that was my way of like, you know, trying to have people inside my head, you know, that's, that's the best way to put it. And it, it, it is pretty impressive. Like I remember the first time we all saw it when they, when they came down and we did a test drive, uh, at the, the frost museum out here, we all looked at each other like, wow, man, this is way crazier than just having it inside your virtual reality headset. You know, it's, right. it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. And the, the, the sound system, it was mixed in the, this one in particular was mixed in five one. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, it's that that's, yeah, that's how it happened. So in the process of, uh, of getting it together, is that, is that how you view it? So you put on a VR headset and you, um, and that's how you kind of get, a, get, a, get a sense of what it's going to be like in yeah. advance of actually seeing it in the, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now, uh, the next step is releasing now that the, the Apple vision pro has come out, I'm going to be releasing this entire thing as some, something that you can just watch, right? So as a, as an app, as an app that you can just download. And if you want to go see blue, you can go see it. I don't want to do it. I I want to make sure that the planetarium show is out and stuff like that. So I'll release this a little bit later. Uh, But, but again, it's another form of us being able to express what we want to, to our fans. And especially now with, you know, AR and VR becoming a bit more stable and a bit easier to access. This is a new way for us to get even closer to the thing that we're trying to achieve, the message we're trying to send. Um, you know, with the people that I have shown, even just on the VR headset, I've shown three people and they've actually, when they, when they take their, the, the VR headset off, they're crying. So I'm not, I don't know if they're crying because they know the amount of work that I put into it. So they know that it's a meaningful thing to me, or if they're just crying, because I just think it's a little bit of both, but, but you know, that's when that's happened, I'm like, wow, okay, this, this is, this is pretty damn cool that, that it's, it got to that point. So yeah, 
it's um yeah 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 it's 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 a whole other way of showing uh, uh, whatever is inside of me I guess yeah absolutely absolutely so okay so we mentioned that the um the audio version is is like ninety minutes but the the planetarium show is like is, it's more like thirty is that right yeah yeah it's it's thirty three minutes uh it, right. yeah putting a person under you know uh, uh, all this yeah, that's, uh, that's it's a that's lot it, that's man. yeah no yeah even even 30 minutes 30 minutes uh, people tend to want a little bit more you know like when when mm-hmm. when the planetary when the show is done people are like damn we could have taken another five to seven minutes but i think this is enough to where people want more and they're getting to experience something that they a lot of them had never been to a planetarium and you know it, it's just putting uh, yeah, again, it's it's just showing people something something that's a bit different that maybe that they haven't done. So it's uh, yeah, and it's opened up some pretty cool doors with uh, the Frost Museum and the Planetarium. We're having some really cool conversations as to what else I can come in and help out with. So it, yeah, man, it's been such a cool process, dude. Like it really has. It must have been really hard cutting it down to thirty minutes, having. You know, having gone through the process, you know, I'm, having been through the album making process a few times myself, you're kind of uh, you've got a lot of ownership over that final oh, yeah. audio, right? When oh, you finish yeah. it, so yeah, you're basically yeah, you're 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 killing a couple of your kids, you know. You're at that right, point, which right, which exactly. which are your favorite kids? That's that's I, I had to kill about ten kids. So this the album is nineteen. I had to break it down to I believe nine or ten. And then within that, I had to then truncate those tracks in order to make it long enough to where it wasn't too much and short enough to where it, it was, you know, or wait, am I saying that correctly? Long enough to where yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't too long or too short, you know? Um, yeah. So that it, it was, it was, uh, it was a, it was a mission that that's for sure. And I had to go and mix down. I had to put these stems together again. Right. So this this seamless mix i had to do it all over again for the show and now i'm considering doing it in dolby atmos which it wasn't done in dolby atmos so now i have to go back because there is planetariums out there that are installing a dolby atmos system so yeah essentially i just wanted to build something with this form of content that is not really available you know you have like the pink floyd laser show and you have some some things by national geographic and you know, Lady Gaga has something, but something of this nature where it's the, the artist technically has put the entire thing together, directed the entire thing. I, I personally don't know of any, and I've done, I've definitely done my research and yeah, I just wanted to put something out there that will, will, will live for a little while past the amount that music lives now. That's, I think essentially why, why I wanted to do yeah, it. I mean, absolutely, man. Yeah. So for people listening, where do you recommend they go and listen to it? Like if you know the average person who's maybe just got a pair of headphones to listen to on or a decent, you know, stereo system, where, where where's the best place to hear it? Well, I yeah, I would just it, it's going to be Spotify. I think most people use Spotify. I think there's a lot of people going into Apple Music as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it and the 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 stereo mix has a, a bit of a different master. That one was was mastered by Telephone Tel Aviv. So it has a tiny bit of a different master, a little bit crunchier. It sounds it sounds really nice. The 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 Dolby Atmos version you can only listen to it on on Tidal or Apple Apple Music, which is usually where most people go for that. Um, yeah, yeah. But the uh, I th- yeah the stereo most people just listen to the stereo version. To be honest, it's 
Yeah, not not many people are hip to the tip when it comes to to, to the Dolby Atmos stuff. But I personally, I love it, and and every day I think it's just getting better and better. Apple AirPods Pro, do they have spatial capability? Apple Vision Pro. Apple, um, the Pro AirPods, the AirPods. Oh yes, yeah, I mean. yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah, 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 they do. You just need to make sure that when you're in Apple Music, that you're that it's ticked, you know, to 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 play Dolby Atmos whenever it's possible. Got it. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, okay, I wanted to ask you about, well, gone through the music, gone through the artistic side. You've released it on Omnidisc, which is your label. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that side of it. Because, I mean, as, as also someone who uh, self-releases, it's almost like you've got to put on a different hat when uh, when the artistic side, quote-unquote artistic side, is is finished up. Is that what it was like for you in terms of, like, being responsible for you know, promoting it and all that kind of stuff and releasing, you know, I, I suppose what we've been talking about with formats is part of this. But um, yeah, how, how do you feel about having done this on your own label? How do you feel about having done it like that? I'm a, I'm a big, I've always been a, a sort of like do-it-yourself. I've had a do-it-yourself attitude my entire life. Um, and I, I really like the where the label is going, the fact that we're rep- representing more Miami artists. The fact that now with this album, it's in turn brought a few more albums coming out. You know, uh, we I just released Azari and a, an album by Azari, which which were just quite an experimental conceptual techno thing. Uh, and then after this, we're doing Vril and Vril's album. I'm going to be releasing right. on Dolby Atmos, and I'm going to be mixing that down myself. So it's kind of opened up this this new world where I, I feel the label going more experimental and uh, I'm very into this. I'm, I'm very into the, just the thought of being able to push different sorts of music, not just dance music. Uh, and it's, and it's pretty much the reason that I, I decided to go on my label. Uh, the, I, it started off where I was going to actually release on schematic which is that old label that I was talking about Miami, which has a massive cult following. But I ended up putting just so much work into this that I'm like, you know, I, I think it'll be good just for it to come out on Omni and it just sends a message. And that message was received pretty well because right after that, I've, I, I got, a, I'm receiving a bunch of really cool music that usually I don't think would have been sent my way. Mm. And uh, like the Vril album, uh, he and I are starting to work on it now where I'm going to be doing the, the Dolby Atmos mix downs are things that came from it. So, yeah, I, you know, the self-releasing stuff is definitely, yeah, definitely. It would have been a lot cooler to release on a major kind of indie label. But, you know, I, if I want to take my label to that dimension, then I, I guess I have to start off with something like this. And that's basically what it was for. There's always that balance, isn't there, right? Because, you know, when you have original material that, that you really believe in, then, yeah, there's always a tendency to think, well, yeah, it'd be great to be on X label I've always loved, whatever, yeah. you know. But you also, when you keep it in-house, when you keep it on your own thing, I think that adds so much value too, right? You know, and it you know, it makes it something slightly different. Yeah, know? and and yeah, in this in, in this sense, it 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 opened up some new avenues for the label. Mm. Yeah, because I'm say, not yeah. exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure I would have had the Zazari album. I, I I think that one I could have we could have done because I had already worked with Zazari before. But uh, Vril, 
I, you know, I, that's, that's a dude I massively respect. You know, it all came basically from this and making connections with like Via Lobos, for example, like Ricardo downloaded the album and he and I connected off of that. And then we, he and I connected off of the fact that it was so bass heavy. And we got into this massive conversation on how this is all Miami bass driven and all these car competitions that I used to be part of. So it's, it's really cool how it's opened up just like this whole new avenue and, and, uh, which I, I really, I really enjoy. I like, I like the fact that I think most artistry in general is kind of going direct to consumer. Right. Uh, and we're building our, just count our own infrastructure here and our own ecosystems that people are kind of going to. And I'm hoping that's where things go. Uh, yeah. And just kind of build a really cool family. That's just down to kind of experiment and do some cool stuff. It's, it's, uh, that's my, that's my, what's it, what's it called? My, uh, pipe dream, you know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it's funny you mentioned, uh, direct to consumer or direct to fan infrastructure and, and that, that being, I think increasingly uh, increasingly valuable, you know, to people doing quote unquote underground music. What do you think about the whole Bandcamp saga? <laughs> you know what? I wish I followed up with it. I I honestly don't know too much of what's going on. I know that they're uh, that they and SoundCloud are having some. They're selling or I'm not exactly sure what's going on. Yeah, there. I mean SoundCloud. I think SoundCloud's up for sale. I mean Bandcamp's changed hands a couple of times now, but I mean. Uh, you know, I think Bandcamp is, um, well, I've, I've talked probably too much about Bandcamp on this, on this show, but, uh, you know, I, to me, it seems, it's surprising that it's so ubiquitous because it doesn't seem like a particularly difficult piece of tech to put together, Right. but I guess there's a network effect of people using it, which has meant that it's become as, you know, prominent as it, as it is, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, I wish the, I wish the UI was a little different to be honest but right i mean i i use it like crazy i i but i do think i do think we need something else um something that's a bit sometimes easier to use or, or easier to connect the networks you know how some networks like if you use discogs discogs is incredible for the way that you you know you can link one artist to the other i'm not exactly sure if you can go that deep with with bandcamp but the direct to consumer direct to fan thing is something that I think it's kind of across the board uh, through from Instagram through to all your socials to, yeah, to, to the music that you're releasing um, to the, you know, direct message that you're trying to send with, say, a planetarium show like, hey, we're doing something that's a bit more, I don't know, extravagant, if you want to call it. Um, I think everything is kind of going that direction. So I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah. I mean, how does that, how does that translate into what you plan to do or aspire to do? I mean, I mean, is, is that a big change in the way you think about that kind of stuff? In, in, in what sense again? In... Well, I mean, if you're, talking, you're talking about the kind of, well, I guess we're talking about the sort of emerging trends here and the way that people are going to have to use platforms oh, and right. different pieces of tech to, to do music, which is interesting and is harder to generate money from on Spotify, <laughs> basically. Yeah, you know I mean? it's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there every it's it's we're living in a pretty interesting time, right? Like marketing and press really isn't doing that much anymore. I I believe the best press you can have right now is word of mouth. Mm. So again, we're we're kind of going back to that like direct sort of thing. Uh it doesn't really like veer too far off from the way that I've always been where I just kind of put my head down, do what I do. And the people that get it, get it. The people that don't have no idea. Uh, and so I like the way things are going. You know, we have these, we have this world where something like techno is now very popular. It's a new EDM. And then you have this complete different side that are, you know, the, the counterculture that are 20 year old kids that are just playing vinyl. Now and they're just searching for old vinyl and that's all they play. And so, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're living in pretty interesting times when it comes to getting this music out and getting people to listen to it and be attracted to it. I think that's the tough part is, and it's one of the reasons that I think I made this album and took such an ambitious kind of road when it came to a planetarium show is because I was trying to kind of let maybe the younger audience know that there, you know, there's something else out there. There's, this is why you hear, you hear us old timers talk about, yeah, well, back in the day, you know, like back in the day we had this, it's because it was a completely different way of thinking. We had this whole ideology and we, we thought that the underground was a bunch of like-minded individuals. And we all, we didn't really, we knew that if you were wearing a direct beat or underground resistance shirt, right. We knew if, if we saw that person walking a mile away. We saw that. Well, I mean, a mile. That's that's quite. That's great vision that you have. But if you saw that person walking, <laughs> you know, with a UR shirt, you knew that that person knew what's up. You know. And nowadays, now we have like this techno uniform that really means jack shit. So I'm not even sure how I how I spun out of control into this into this neck of the woods that we're in now. But <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Like that. It, it just goes 100%. to it just goes to this thing where I I think us as as artist we do need to kind of push a message and i'm totally cool with making making it even more direct to consumer as you were saying that i was reminded uh well i had a really interesting conversation on the show last week actually with with fracture um and we were we were talking about the, the difficulties there are now with creating musical movements like as opposed to people making great music kind of individually which is for sure happening um but the difference between like now where that that certainly exists, but there don't seem to be like movements of people emerging in the way that there were in the first, I don't know, well, we were talking about, you know, specifically in the kind of like, you know, since the dawn of the rave scene, but uh, in particular during the 2000s, um, which was the period that both of us and I think you two kind of emerged. Mm -hmm. And we were trying to kind of put our finger on 
what the most significant things were. And we talked about, you know, small clubs and the lack of small nights. But then we got onto pirate radio, which was you know super significant, particularly in London, the various musical scenes that came out of London, and the lack of a kind of focused pirate radio thing. Now, one of the other things that came up in your the long piece that you did with Sean, you were talking about Miami and the potential for Miami to be more of a musically significant place, but what it lacks, which is which holds it back from that. So, you know, in the context of what you were just saying, that's a long way of asking not much of a detailed question. But <laughs> what are your what are your observations about all that stuff? Well, I think I think technology has ruined everything, man. I got to be honest; it's made everything easier. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah, it's made it. It's made, sure. it's made everything easier. Pr- production, music production is easier. DJing is easier the uh, consuming it is easier. Therefore, it's more disposable and it's ruined everything. While I love technology, I also think that it's, yeah, it's the reason that we're at now and people don't really appreciate as much because they don't need to because they're immediately looking for the next thing. Um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned a pirate radio. I, I, had, a, I had an 80-foot antenna behind my house, behind my mom's house. And I had, I had a tune to 87.7 and I was one of the ones that had a pirate radio show here in Miami. It only, it only went out honestly about, I, I think the radius was something about four miles, but that's, that's enough for me and the crew that would listen to stuff. Maybe it was, maybe it was a bit further than that. Um, but yeah, again, we're, we're, we're at a point where Miami, for example, is extremely rich in artists. We have so much new music coming out of here, so many young kids that are doing such insane stuff, but we don't have the place to showcase it. So my pipe dream within the next two to three years is to open up my own venue here, more so a restaurant that's also a venue and who knows, maybe something else. Uh, In order to kind of have a developmental room where these kids can fail at that's extremely important that uh that nowadays doesn't exist you don't have the ability to fail you have to you have to bring in heads you have to you have to make sure that you not only do you promote but you also make flyers and you also it's like man you need in order to really have a a new movement happen you have to have the ability to fail and we don't have that out here unfortunately when it comes to a new movement or something groundbreaking uh, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to happen musically because, you know, sure, we started off 1950. We had, a what is that, rockabilly stuff. And then we went to hippies and then we went to the 70s disco and Jimi Hendrix. You know, we had those peaks and troughs where things were just, you know, the valley was pretty insane. But nowadays, everything is a is a bit of a rehash. So I'm not exactly sure how much groundbreaking stuff there's going to be moving forward. I think it's just uh, moving more in different ways, especially with AR and VR. And and again, like for me, that was my way of doing something that I felt was worth it was doing a planetarium show Um, because I'm not going to, I'm not making anything groundbreaking. You know, I'm, I guess this is some form of IDM. Um, I do I do think there is some groundbreaking stuff that's happening. This mixture that we have now of Latin music and freaking ambient and dance music mixing, you know, like with with a lot of the Latin sounds, 
I, I, I find that extremely, extremely interesting. Um, but yeah, but where do we, where do we go from here and how do we make, how do we make these people that again are, are living in these 15 second increments? How do we keep them entertained, but not only entertained, how do we keep them from, how do we keep, how do we make them search for more? That's what I'm, what I wish I knew the answer to. Yeah, hundred percent. I think when you say there needs to be a space to fail, I mean, that absolutely resonates just so hard because there has to be an opportunity for, for things to develop organically. Right. And it can't be. Well, yeah. In, in, incremental, incremental improvement. You know, you have to have some form of lateral, yeah, right. lateral thinking when you're, when you're thinking about incremental improvement. And that doesn't exist. Uh, not, not that I see, you know, I, I, I think London has a much richer kind of uh, landscape for these forms of events and this form of stuff. But Miami, unfortunately, it doesn't, you know. Well, I mean, I think even London, it's almost all venues, even small venues are doing ticketed shows now. Um, you know, like I said, in my conversation with Fracture last week, we talked about, we were talking about Ford, but also we we're talking about, there was a drum-based night called Technicality. Mm. And in both of those cases, there were weeks on end where the footfall was, and actually months on because they were monthly nights, the footfall was negligible at best. And today, if you had three months in a row where you had 50 people through the door, you're not going to get another go at that. Yeah. You know? You're not going to get another chance. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know? yeah. And these things can take months and years, in fact, to really develop properly. So they then give birth to something genuinely exciting and progressive and new. You know, yeah, I, I think that's a big part of what we're missing now. The rise, the rise of the big club promoter or sorry, these big club promoters now turning to festival promoters. Mm. I think it's a pretty big downfall for the entire scene. And I think that's why we're seeing mediocrity be, you know, pushed to the forefront. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm not talking about mediocrity as in as in you know, if the music is good or bad, I'm talking about mediocrity as in the effort that's being put out. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty weird. Like you'll, you'll see very mediocre DJs that are not really doing much up there or not really digging the way they should be or not making enough. Maybe they'll release two songs in a year rather than, you know, being focused on like, yo, let's, let's make more art. So Again, I've, I've tend to just like, I just put my head down and try and do something cool. Thankfully, these, like the new generation that's in Miami, the, the INVTs of the world, the coffin text, the, you know, the Johnny from spaces that I'm working with, they, they're straight up like the reason that I'm able to keep doing this. They've brought in like the third wind that I needed in order to just keep moving forward and, and seeing how they interact and seeing how they dig really deep it just yeah it allows me to to move forward so i'm extremely thankful for you know for the the nick leones that we have out here man it's it's it really does 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 help me out quite a bit yeah yeah man yeah absolutely and like i said like it's it's bad enough in somewhere that has a heritage like london and you know like you say someone like miami which has so much kind of human capital on the ground, right? right? And the potential in these places is just is just huge. And it's, you know, it, it's frustrating, you know? Yeah, to, man. To, um, yeah. to see these things not 
kind of come to fruition the way they might do. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's talk about AI because you mentioned it before and it's something that we've talked about a bit on the show, but you're, um, as you mentioned previously, someone who keeps on top of tech generally. And in fact, apparently you keep ahead of the game. So you say. I try, I try, I try to at least, right? Try to. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, what, what's, the, what's the positive case for AI in music? Uh, the positive case for AI in music for me would be just using it as a tool. And like, again, being able to extract stems from a, a thing that came out in 1997 was mind boggling to me. Being able to hear, uh, I, I, what's her name? Bahama Mady? Is that, is that, was that the rapper's name? Do you mean, um, which track are you talking about? Uh, 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 God, I completely forgot, but being able just to hear her vocals. Oh my God, man. I, it gave me goosebumps, sure. dude. I was like, how? Oh, share the fool. It's share the fool, isn't it? Is it? That's, that's is the it? track you mean. The one that was that, there was that massive groove ride remix. Oh man, maybe, dude, it's so ill, dude. Uh, I, but uh, you know, that, that for me is a huge plus. Um, there, there's things that are both pros and cons. For example, uh, AI that's making a melody for you, mm. but at the same time, that AI that's making a melody for you now can make 2000 in a matter of a day. And there is people out there that are taking advantage of this. They're making a song a day or five songs a day. They're uploading it. And now they have copyright over that material. Now, this thing that was made by AI in a matter of seconds, if anybody else comes and does that same chord progression, now somebody else, somebody else owns the rights to that chord progression. So I don't see that as a pro. I definitely see that as a con. And I think that's where regulation comes into play, which is, you know, with this, with this um, Web 2 and Web 3 company that I'm kind of coding for, that's kind of what we're focused on is, is, is regulation. Because we are, we're definitely going to need that. Um, it's going to, so yeah. The pros for me for with, with AI, yeah. I think I think that's, for me, that's it for now. Uh, there's going to be a lot more moving forward, I'm sure. Connecting, you know, connecting the artist directly to fans. I think we're going to be able to do that through different sorts of APIs and, and yeah, just different blockchain things that we're going to be able to use, whether it's NFTs and stuff like that. Um, yeah, man, it's it's it, we're living in quite an interesting yeah, time. Yeah, sure. When it comes to the the AI world, I'm I'm a little bit more nervous than I am excited. To right? Be honest. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting you say that. Yeah. So because that's what I was going to say. I mean, I, I mean, I've asked you to make the, the kind of positive case, but like, do you have a kind of like reassuring line to people? Because I mean, like, I think the reflex of many producers and many musicians is. Well, this is just coming on. This is coming along to eat our lunch in the same way that our lunch has been at many times over the past couple of decades. I mean, like, is there a kind of standard thing you say to reassure them, or is it, or is it just the case of like, well, we just got to get the, the regulation right here, and then hopefully people will be able to use it as a tool to ultimately make better art? I think the reassuring thing is that most humans tend to they we we tend to go towards what humans make. Right. So I, we can, we can look at a Rembrandt painting and we can tell this AI to replicate this Rembrandt painting. But when we know that it was created by a machine, we tend to not look at it the same, the exact same way that if we put a, a robot to run against Usain Bolt, shh, okay, cool. A <laughs> robot outran Usain Bolt. So I think as humans, we tend to go for novelty and we tend to go for things that are 
human-based. So the reassuring part for me, at least I'm trying to be optimistic about it, is yeah, we can make as many things as as we want with AI, but if if we knew that behind the scenes there was, you know, a, a human is the one that actually made it, I think we're more prone to go that direction. Mm. Um there there but for me there's quite a bit of negatives as well. Like when it when it comes to the negative side of this stuff is I think we're building these language models that can essentially consider us the virus and consider us something to be X'd out of. And uh, what I'm trying to like, you know, rely on now is us as humans understanding that regulation is needed and and moving forward with that, because for now, there's really no regulation in play. And essentially, that's that's what's going to like stop us from killing ourselves, you know, from 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 like ending from us locking ourselves out of the electrical grid or the banking system and, and stuff like that. When it comes to music. Yeah, I'm not really sure how many things out there uh, AI based are going on at the moment. You know, the stuff that I've talked about is is kind of my it's it's just on on the surface. And for that, for you know, those things are pretty positive to me. You, you should definitely be using stem extractors to like do some really cool stuff, and you should definitely use new ways to you know create uh, a melody if you're not very you know skilled. Like how I'm, I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to, I'm definitely using that stuff. So yeah, man, I think, um, we're, we're, I'm, I'm very interested to see what this next bull run happens, especially with the, uh, crypto market. Um, I think it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I've got a question about that. Let's, let's, um, um, we'll go into that in a second. Um, let me ask you just, just to finish up on AI, how do you feel about your own work being used to train models like for music AI applications so say replicating a a, a scuba record or replicating a uh danny day's record I'm not, in, not even replicating but just using um using your existing work to um as 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 training data basically you know in the same way that uh yeah i don't you know, I, I don't mind it man no? yeah i don't i don't i don't mind it it's fair it's fair game every you know technology moves and we just move with it. So I'm I'm all about it. I'm all about technology moving forward. I'm I'm not really about stealing, right? Um, so well, sure, that's that's this, the question, stem- right? Because I mean, arguably, yeah, there are companies which are going to be worth trillions of dollars as a result of building these kinds of things. And if those things can't be built without the use of material which is supposed to be copyrighted, you know, is that stealing? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know actually. Yeah, that's that. That's a good question. I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider it stealing, mm. because you're well, you are teaching something, and you're using something else in order to teach it. I don't. I, I wouldn't consider that stealing. No, I wouldn't consider it stealing. If if you're if you're trying to teach an AI model, say a, a mastering engine, right? So so the new isotope. Yeah. Uh, what is that? Isotope ten. What is it? Ozone ten. So if you're if you're teaching it to look at a wave file and say this is a good version of a master, you know, there's no phasing, there's no whatever it is. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think that's really stealing. You're just using it as a reference point. So, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider it stealing. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. People have different kind of um instinctive reactions to this stuff, 
you know? I mean, that's a... Yeah, I guess I'm coming a bit more from a kind of like a behind the scenes or, or kind of coding the back end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that The back inside of it. But I guess, you know, I guess what you say for with this mastering plugin, what you would be stealing is the mastering engineer's uh, skills. Right. Right? That's what you would be stealing. But is that stealing? Because... I don't think it, yeah, I really don't think it is. Like, it's not, it's not stealing, man. I mean, in maybe not in the, uh, in the kind of traditional sense of it, but I suppose when value is being built on the, the kind of, um, the opposite argument would be that if, you know, value is being built contingent on something, you know, dependent on the, the input of something, then you can see where that, how that argument can be constructed, right? I mean, I, 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 mean, I, sure. I hear what you're saying too, absolutely. And, you know, it, sure. it's, that, that's why I like asking people the question actually, because like the instinct people have is, is often quite, it's quite different, you know, and particularly for musicians. Yeah. I mean, there, there, the question would be is if you're teaching the AI to do it by, you know, it reading this wave file or if you're inputting it manually. If you're inputting it manually, it's going to, it's going to take, you know, tenfold or a or hundredfold the amount of time. So essentially all the only thing that AI is doing is just doing it faster. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause uh, you know, the first, the first uh, when, which was the first ozone that kind of did this mastering for you or, you know, a lot of that stuff was, right. was input it yeah. quite manually. To yeah. Be I hear what you're saying. Yeah. 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 So it's just a kind of shortcut is what you're saying. It's just shortcut. Yeah. It's just, it's just reading things quicker. Um, so that's, that's, I'm, I'm looking at it from, from, yeah, from, from that side of things. Right. Because that's a, that's kind of a technical example, right? But if you're thinking about from the creative side, AI apps, which are being used as, as you described, you know, to, to write melodies and to make tunes in a certain style, which are, you know, by definition dependent on studying examples of that style in advance and essentially copying them right i mean that that seems to fit the definition of of stealing a little bit more sort of traditionally if you say i mean sure yeah 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 and, and especially if you're going directly to an artist right so if you're saying make us make a record that sounds exactly like scuba right and it sounds exactly like something that you've made yeah that's pretty damn scary and it's we're very close to all of that we're extremely close to that to that being made now is i think what what we need to do as artists is either build our own language models or build our own models uh or sell our likely or what's it called our our is it likeliness or likeness right or? right right yeah well that's where that's where regulation comes in right because there needs to in my opinion there really needs to be a government imposed framework which gives you your rights to sell yes right? because i think without that they're not it's not going to be possible is that exactly yep exactly do that's, you have that's any, where these these do, things yeah sorry to interrupt you but do you have any confidence in congress to deliver this uh, i do yes i i do mostly because i i i know a few things going on in the in the back end with a company that i'm working on mm-hmm directly tied to the government and they're talking to government about these forms of regulation so not not only regulation with music but regulations with uh for storage and and data and you know these basically all these decentralized things that we this is the path that we're going you know we're taking we're taking real world assets and putting them on chain and extracting valuation and 
you know, like stuff like that, all that is now being talked about in the background. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is going to be done by AI. So, you know, being able, being able to get valuation from say like a, uh, a family home, you know, that's on chain, all that stuff is going to be done by AI very fast where we're going to be able to see, you know, these things that are on Zillow or Zestimate, we're now going to be able to see this on in real time. So all that in the background, I, I wish I could speak more on it, but I, I can't, but it's, it's, it's all happening in the, in, in the background here with us government, at least. Right. Well, that's, that's positive at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, sure. the, the, yeah. the, the failure to regulate web two was conspicuous, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So that I think the middle ground from going going from web two to web three, so taking something off chain and putting it on chain, that middle guy is going to be a lot of regulators, a lot of AI regulators as well. So yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the world that I'm kind of in right now is that 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 gray area of being able to take something that's off chain, putting it on chain and ext- extracting some sort of value from it. Yeah, it's it's again, we're living in pretty interesting times i'm i'm hoping i'm hoping the united states at least sees the value in all of this and the fact that it's pretty much unstoppable it's going to happen with or without you Mm -hmm. and it's better it happened with you you know with with some form of regulation involved yeah 100 percent agree 100 percent agree so okay mentioned web3 and and crypto i think that lots of people probably thought and maybe hoped that this had gone away, but it hasn't gone away, has it? It's definitely coming back. There is there is a new wave coming of this stuff. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I mean, the simple fact that the SEC didn't pursue anything else on that, on the Bitcoin ETF, mm-hmm. where now, you know, there's a Bitcoin ETF out there, is it's it, it's just letting you know that things are going this direction. And... Thankfully, I've been part of it since 2011, and I've seen the I've seen this exponential curve become a little a little bit more logarithmic now. And things are this next bull run for me. I think is quite a bit a big one because of this whole thing that happened with the SEC. And uh, you know, a spot a spot Bitcoin ETF is is a pretty big deal. Mm. So, and the fact that they didn't pursue anything else uh in the, like the security side of things is is kind of telling me that they're on board and that the rest of the world should be on board and we just the only thing we need now uh in in the blockchain space and in the crypto space is a big player like Amazon, eBay or Apple saying we now accept tether or a form of cryptocurrency and this thing is and that's it and everybody's in and I, I, I believe it's going to happen in this, in, in the next four years. Right. Yeah. Okay. So for people who are listening to that, thinking this guy's crazy, crypto is a load of fraudulent bullshit. What is your, <laughs> what is your standard argument? You know, what is your kind of persuasive few sentences that you deploy to um, reassure people or to persuade people that they are, they should be more to open-minded be completely about this? honest, man. I got to be honest, I don't really talk about it too much because in order to, to explain why Bitcoin became a thing to anybody out there that has never really understood or even knows anything about the Federal Reserve or how the gold standard was dropped, <laughs> in order to explain that is pretty tough, right? But long story short, 
or uh, the internet decided to make its own money and a lot of people have agreed to it. That's it's it's as simple as that. A lot of people have agreed to say, you know what, we're going to go around the government. We're going to go and we're just going to say, you know, I'm going to trade you that thing for this thing. And as long as people agree, it's the exact same, the exact same mentality as to why is this baseball card worth so much money? It's a piece of cardboard, right? It's worth something because that person on the other side has agreed that it's worth something. Now we've like the people that, that, that I kind of came up with, we all agreed to decide that this tiny bit of data that's floating around on the internet is worth something. And now the U S government has also decided that, Hey, this piece of data that we were fighting against as a securities, as, as a security, you can now bid futures on it, a futures contract on it. So it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's there. The only thing is that most people don't know how to spend it yet. And they're not fully tying it to say a dollar, right? So let's, let's say USDC or USDT, uh, one of these, you know, dollar, uh, dollar pegged, uh, cryptocurrencies. Once that, once you can go and fill up petroleum or gas or whatever it is you want to go buy in Snickers bar with tether that's on your mastercard or on a visa this is where people are going to be like holy crap this is a real thing that's the exact same way that the internet kind of started you know everybody thought that arpanet you know arpanet was one of the first ways that it came through and then sure the internet started happening and then it kind of had it had a peak and then it dumped and then it went right back up until we're we're all now cyborgs man we're all using the internet while in the mid nineties or the early nineties, people thought it was a joke. So they're, they're, you know, up until it's not. And then you're like, holy crap, what's going on here? So what sucks is that in the crypto space, most people think it's a scam and I'm one of those people. Right. So I, I believe that. I mean, that's definitely part than, of it, right? That's <laughs> certainly part of it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why people get turned off because of the, the amount of money that has been lost. Uh, and because they, they were trying to be, get, they were trying to get rich quick. And when you try and get rich quick, you're going to get hosed, you know, every single time. So I, for me, about 95% of these crypto projects are all crap. Uh, they're, they're, they're either a scam, they're poorly made, or their idea is just going to get ran over by something else. So 95% of the projects are crap, but the ideology behind it and the general consensus around the world that most politicians are stealing money, that most government is stealing money, is, is, is a consensus that I think a lot of us agree on, that our taxes are not being used for the right reasons. And this is a way for humans to basically fight against that. Um, I mean, that was, that was not a, a short answer, but you know, <laughs> I'm, exp- I'm, I'm explaining myself a little longer there, but that's the, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I got my mother to understand what was going on. She's like, okay, cool. I still don't understand. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, let's just um, separate for a moment the value of coins and the use of this technology potentially as, as a payment system. What do you see as being the potential 
exciting areas for blockchain technology to be used in the coming cycle that we've just for people don't know the four-year cycle is the bitcoin halving cycle so that's why people talk about four years but in the kind of forthcoming cycle are there particular use cases for blockchain that you anticipate that you're particularly excited about uh, i think so decentralized data uh decentralized identification and storage i think for me are the are the are the big ones um being able to store a mortgage and being able to see uh to to be to like to see the the lien if they if if a if a house has liens on it or the chain of custody of something it takes quite a while to find the chain of custody of something. You have to you have to call a person that has to call another person. And then a week or two weeks down the line, you get this chain of custody letter that tells you, okay, everybody owned this. That's, you know, that's, that's one of the examples, but being able to store things like chain of custody or even, uh, dude, from criminal records to, uh, health records, all like all this stuff being on chain, is so much better than being it than, than it being on somebody's hard drive somewhere or you know it's it's um that that for me is something that's extremely valuable and you know i i'm extremely interested to see how ai is going to play a part in this as well that's uh that's something that i think when it comes to bringing stuff on chain or sorry off chain bringing that data on chain a lot of it's going to be ran through a model, uh, a language model or an AI model. And yeah, that, that for me is what I'm really interested in, uh, uh, specifically that decentralized uh, identification, where instead of, you know, you receiving mail to your house with your name on it and your address and everything, you can now receive it to some anonymous wallet. That, that for me is where I think things are going decentralized uh, data and decentralized identification. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are things which were talked about in the in the previous cycle and nothing really came to fruition in a in a, in a and it's certainly not in a mainstream kind of a sense. So are you optimistic that we might see some, you know, real world examples of this stuff happening which would then I guess persuade people more of the efficacy of this stuff past it just being a kind of speculative instrument? Well, again, now with the SEC sort of taking a taking a step back, yes. Before this, uh, up until up until the SEC, I I was saying I'm I'm not really I, I don't think anything is going to happen. But given where we are with AI, and given where SEC took a step back, I think this next round is 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 going to be a big one. Again, the only thing we need is a white swan is is Amazon or Apple Music to say, "Hey, yep, we're we're uh, we're accepting cryptocurrency and we believe in it." That is going to kind of put everything in play. Uh when it comes to real-world assets, there's already real real-world assets being placed on a blockchain. So you can see again the 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 chain of custody of a house or of a car, of a vintage car, of a, of baseball cards. Like for some reason, baseball cards and football cards are huge now. Like there, there's so much money being passed around, which that is mind-boggling to me. I have no idea how that happened. But it, you, now it's on it's on a blockchain. It's much easier to read. You can pull it up whenever you want. So yeah, man, I I I, I am I am pretty optimistic about it. I've I've sold all my 
Bitcoin. I sold that in 2017. So I'm not, I'm not really into like, I'm out here to try and make money. I really just think that we need to give, we need to stop giving so much power to government because they're taking advantage left and right. And you know, the, the internet deciding that we're going to create our own currency and we're going to trade with this imaginary thing. That's not really an imaginary. It is a piece of, it is data. It is on chain somewhere saying that this piece of data is worth something to us is the exact same thing as saying this dollar bill that I'm holding that is infinitely becoming less and less valuable is worth something. It's the same thing, man. Same yeah, exact yeah thing. absolutely. Sure. So yeah, I am, I am pretty optimistic. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, um, yeah. I mean, to me, like the, the potential for it is just huge and has always been apparent, but like, but like I said, I guess that's why I'm asking you about the kind of more immediate, um, potential but just talk about music in particular you know nfts were obviously a big bubble and then people got very cynical very quickly and we all know music fans can be extremely cynical people right so do you do you think there's, yeah, a, yeah, there's potential course. for nfts to become taken a bit more seriously again in this cycle and and then you know additionally to that in the case of music in the case of the music business generally but also i think in particular in quote unquote underground music the kind of stuff that we associate ourselves with what is the most realistic way for this stuff to become more prominent? Well, I think the biggest thing here is automation, right? So an NFT, for example, which I'm not very big on these pictures, but I am big on the uh, kind of the, uh, what's it called? What's the word I'm looking for here? On, on what it's actually used for, on its use case. Right. Music, music for me should all be NFTs and it should be placed on a blockchain. Because eventually down the road, automation is going gonna, is gonna to come into play where a mixer should be able to read the music that is coming out or whatever it is, even if it's a restaurant, and we can now automatically pay whatever royalty is deserved. So rather than it going into a pooling system, which that's the way most of the of AM, uh, BMI, ASCAP, the way that they work is in a pooling system. So Lady Gaga is getting paid for music that's that's being played at clubs that I'm playing at that no Lady Gaga music gets played at, right? So same thing with Spotify, but it's it's there, there's absolutely no reason for Pioneer, for example. I, I was supposed to have a conversation with uh, with one of the guys out there on you know where things I think should go, and it's going to be. Most of this music, the Michael Jackson catalog, all our things, everything that we do is while we bring it up into BMI and we uh, we register it in BMI, it should automatically become an, an NFT. That NFT for me is something that's going to represent a, a much easier way for artists to get paid. You know, things like I remember talking to uh, Devious One quite a bit. I don't think he and I got into this conversation, which is in terms of automation. Uh, this for me is definitely going to happen at some point. I, I don't know when there's a lot of moving uh, parts to this. You, you need, you need uh Gemma, you need ASCAP, BMI, everybody to be in play in order to kind of have, have an underlying technology that not only, you know, you, you're going to register your, your, your piece with them, but at the same time is going to create an NFT and all that. So, you know, you don't know what chain it's going to be on, if it's an Ethereum chain or if it's like a fully interoperable thing. That's, I think, where most things are going. It's uh, full interoperability. 
But yeah, man, I do think this is going to be something that within 10 years, we're not even going to be talking about this. It's just part of the, the lexicon, you know? So I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hopefully I'm still around and I can see these things happen because look at, look at what's happened within the last 10 years in technology. I, I can't, I can't imagine in another 10 years. So I'm really, really excited. The fact that the fact that Elon Musk just implanted a damn chip in somebody's brain, man, a couple days a couple days ago is is pretty nuts. I don't even know if it was in their brain, but but you yeah, know what yeah, I mean. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, if that kind of automatically executing royalty payment systems happens in the next ten years, it'd be incredible. I have to say, I mean, it really would be. It would be a completely game changing thing for. For musicians, yes, yeah. There's there's quite a few hurdles, right? There's there is quite a few hurdles to go um, to go to go through. Again, you need to have BMI and ASCAP involved. You need to have you need real leadership from those from those organizations. Basically, you need people in there who really see it. Yes, yeah, yeah. So the only way that that's going to happen is on the blockchain. It's not going to happen, you know, and it's going to happen on a blockchain tied to the internet with certain things that will recognize what's being played. Uh, so we were, we, you know, I pioneer had that with, uh, what was the name of the thing that they had? Was it called Kuvo yeah, or yeah, something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kuvo. Yeah. But the, there's, a, there, there's always a fault there. And, and the point of failure is usually when it's human driven. So you have to have humans come in and manually type what they want. Right. So I believe with what's going on with like a slice, for example, they, I think you just upload, I think you just like put your USB, right? That's, that's, you just put your USB in automatically, which that's incredible, man. That's, that's a one click sort of thing that that's, that's incredible. Now, now when you have blockchain involved, we have a whole other way that can be done as well. So it's a, uh, I'm hoping something can come out of it. Uh, if not, yeah, maybe I'm not the right person to be doing it, but at least the idea is out there. And that's what things like NFT are, are, are good for. Uh, NFTs are good for. And essentially I think bananas, you know, when you sell a banana, it's going to be an NFT. You're going to know exactly how fast it's sold. Like this one banana, all that is going to be good for farmers. Uh, it's going to be good for, yeah, anybody that's selling pretty much anything. Um, unfortunately it took the route of, yeah, pictures right. of apes, I was going to say, yeah, this is the I, worst I, thing it could possibly be associated with because that's what we would think when they of course, think man. of NFTs, right? It's just like bad digital art. Yeah, but it, but it's not. It's it's not. It's it's the it, NFT is a technology. It's not a piece of art. It can be anything. It can be a, a you know a palette of shoes that went out, and now you can track exactly where they went. You know that is part of the NFT side of things. So. That for me is extremely valuable from everybody to Nike to every song that's being released. So for example, I remix a scuba record. Okay. And these two songs are NFTs and my remix is really big in Brazil. So not only are we able to see that this song is now in Brazil. So why don't we book scuba and Danny together? Because We know that this record is big here, but you know what? We're not going to book him. We're not going to book them both in Seattle because this song is not doing well. So essentially we've created a heat map of where this music is hot. 
Yeah. And you can see it. So things like things like that are things that I see moving forward are going to be pretty like implanted in the music uh, industry where we're going to be able to see, okay, we're, we're creating this heat map of where things are hot rather than seeing it just, you know, how many plays we have. Now we can see where exactly where they were played. And if I, and if, and if I did a song with a girl and she's huge in Europe and this song that I did is also huge in Europe. Okay. Let's put them both together and it'll, and we have a better way of doing bookings. So even for promoters, this might be good, you know, but man, I'm, I might be talking 10 years down the road, who knows, or I, I might just be talking out of my ass, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, I might. It might be just a pipe dream and a, a way that I can envision. No, I NFTs working. Think you're right. Yeah, but yeah. But when it comes to when it comes to board apes and all that shit, that's 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 a very easy way to lose tra- lose track of how these things can actually be valuable. You know, the, I know a lot of people that lost their ass on dumbass NFTs, and a lot of artists that made a crap load of money laughing their way to the bank, being like, "Yeah, this was AI generated." You know, it's like. <laughs> All right, man. Cool. Again, we're living in very interesting times. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Well, listen, thanks so much for your time, Dan. It's been awesome. Yeah, dude. All right, man. Till round three. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All right, brother. Yeah, that was Danny Days. I always enjoy speaking to him. He's such a knowledgeable guy. And as I said at the top, he's really done some great work with that Blue Project and the Planetarium show. So I urge you to go and seek it out check out the album, listen to it in spatial audio. And if he's doing the show anywhere near you, get over there and check it out. Okay, right. We are done. A quick reminder that you can get rid of those annoying ads that have been annoying you by subscribing on patreon.com slash official. It's super cheap and you get stuff other than just an ad-free podcast. Follow the show if you don't want to do that. All good. Hit the follow button wherever you listen to this podcast, whatever platform. Leave us a review or a rating. Reviews are actually important again, I've heard. So even if you have already left a review, why don't you leave us another one because they have become important in the algorithm again. So yeah, do that. That'd be nice. And join us on the Discord, hotflushrecordings.com slash Discord. We'd love to see you over there. We have a great community of people and we'd love to have you in it. Okay, I am done. I will see you back here same time, same place next week for the next episode of the Not A Diving Podcast. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.